Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Do you know anyone in your life who like is just like perfect? Right? Do you know anyone who's just like, these people are the lucky ones, right? They're like good looking, like their bodies are like, oh, and they're like ripped and like their, their clothes look great. They got great jobs. These are people who like, they always fall upwards, right? Like if they're walking outside and it's icy out, like if I slip, I'm going to fall. I'm going to crack my elbow. I'm going to look like a, and I'm going to look like a I'm going to look like an old guy. Like these people, when they slip, somehow they slip and fall into like this pose, <laughs> Like someone takes a selfie and it goes viral on Instagram. Like these people are the lucky ones. Does anybody know anyone like that? I feel like second service is a good time to ask that question because there's probably many of you in this room today, right? But these are the people for whom everything just seems to go their way. Like I'll eat a piece of cake and like it will literally be in the shape of cake on my gut for a month. Like they'll eat cake and it somehow like goes to their biceps. Somehow, I don't even, I don't know how that happens, but it works. But they got the great job. Uh, th- at school, the teachers just love them. Everything goes their way. They're always the quarterback on the team. They're never picked last for dodgeball. They're always picked first. And like the worst part about these lucky ones, right? The worst part about them is this is that I just want to hate them with every fiber of my being, but I can't because they're just so stinking nice. Like, what is up with that? And then it's like, I hate myself because I tried to hate you, and I couldn't hate you, and my hate bounced back on me because you're just so lucky and perfect. Ah. So if you know people like this in your life and you've seen them and you know that feeling of like everything is just always going to go their way, they're going to win every drawing they enter, it's just that's their life. If you believe that, if you know people like that, then we can kind of start to believe that the opposite of that is true as well. If they are destined for everything to go great for them all the time, and that's just how life works, then for me or maybe for others, then maybe life works the opposite, is that maybe I'm just destined to never win a drawing ever. In fact, maybe I'm destined for every drawing that I enter to somehow I have to pay more after I lose it somehow. Like, it's, it's, I'm just destined for it. They're a lucky one. And I am just an unlucky one. And when we start to feel like people are destined for good things, and then there's maybe those of us who just aren't destined for good things, that our lives are just destined to not be as awesome as theirs, we can start to feel like maybe things can't change for us. That maybe there's things that are just kind of baked into who we are. Their good looks are baked in. My looks are baked in. And it's just, this is just what life is going to be like. And then we start to say things when that mentality kicks in that like, I really, there's, this isn't going to change for me. This is my destiny. We start to say things and think things about ourselves to maybe just try to explain uh, to ourselves why we're where we're at. And so we'll say things like, you know, I know like my anger has gotten me a lot of bad situations. My anger's messed up a lot of things, messed up some relationships, but you know, I just, I just come from an angry family, you know, and it's just how I was raised, and it's just who we are. It's just who I am. I just, as a person, I just kind of am, I just am angry, you know, and so, you know, shrug my, sh- it's not going to change, and so I just got to find a way to explain it. Or you've heard, maybe you've said this yourself, you know, I just, I'm a person, I just speak my mind, you know, and I just can't help it. It's just who I am, and so, you know what, you step on my toe, I'm going to let you know, you know, that's like, because that's just who I am. I just speak my mind, it's who I am, it's how I was raised, and like, it's just not going to change, you know. I love ice cream, and that is never going to change, so, you know, give me the pint of ice cream, 
leave me alone, turn on like, you know, Friday night lights or this is us, let me cry and eat my ice cream alone. You know, my body is my body, this is what it's gonna be like, my health is my health, this is what it's gonna be like. You know, you were born lucky with good genetics, I was born this way and this is just how it's gonna be for me and it's just my life is not gonna change. Maybe, maybe fellas or have said this, maybe you know a fellow who said this and you just wanna pop him in the face, but it's like, you know, listen, I just, I'm maybe I'm just not made for monogamy, you know? I just love the ladies and I, you know, I can't help it. It's just who I am, it's just how I am. And I, you know, I do my best, but like, you know, I just can't help myself. And so I just, it, that's just not gonna change for me. I'm, you know, I'm depressed. I have anxiety. That's just, I've just come to grips with that, that this is what my life is gonna be. I am just going to be a depressed person. I'm just gonna be a person who has anxiety everywhere or every day, everywhere I go, and that's just, you know what? That's just my life, and that's just how it's gonna be, and it's what my life is always gonna be like. And sometimes we accept as permanent things in our lives and the very things that cause us the most regret in life. And at the same time, we accept that our lives can never change, that this is somehow written in stone, that somehow in the same way that those lucky people are always going to have everything swing their way, that it is written in stone that it's my destiny for everything to always swing against me and swing the opposite way. And we look at the lucky ones and we're like, I wish I could have that person's life. I want to have a life like that. But the only way I could possibly have that life is to go back in time and to be born into that person's life. But I wasn't born into that person's life. I was born into my life. And since I was born into my life, that means that I'm always going to walk the path that's in front of me. And it's just how things are going to be. And things are just never going to change. I think that religion can feed the narrative of that kind of like destiny mindset too. Uh, When I was in Bible college... Uh, I went to a small Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, and we would sit in chapels, and the professors would get up and speak, and they would say, they would be like, students, we want you to know that, like, you are called to ministry, that God called you specifically and, and specially, and you are special, and you are unique, and, and you are, you stand apart from everyone else because you are God's sacred chosen ones. And at the time, as a kid, it's like, oh, yeah, we're better than everyone. And looking back on that, in hindsight, it's like, that's... I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's just not true. We're all called by God. We're a priesthood of believers. But, but this religious environment, it just kind of fed that notion that there were some of us who were the lucky ones who were chosen for something great. And then there were those of us who God was like, you know what? Not you. Not now. I'm with these guys. Religion feeds this in, in bigger ways, too. Just think about the, the bigger narrative of, like, of, their, of those who look to saints as chosen special by God. God selected these saints out of the rest of the rabble to be his precious, chosen, miraculous people. And then everyone else are just kind of the sheep we're just going to push aside. The Virgin Mary is another great example of this. You know, in a religious context, we look at Mary as this sacred figure who is, who is the luckiest of all of us because she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus by God. And, and she's just remarkable and amazing. And, and hail Mary, mother of, of grace, because you are, you're the mother of Jesus. You are blessed, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And we can see, actually, that the kind of the roots of this, of this idea of, of those who are chosen to be the lucky ones, specifically in the religious context, this started thousands of years ago. This existed even at the time of Jesus. And let's check this out. In Luke chapter 11, 
there's this there's this moment where Jesus is teaching. Jesus often taught in the countryside, and people followed him. They're really fascinated by what he was saying. And, uh, and this is what happens in Luke chapter 11, verse 27. <clears throat> it said, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, just straight up yelled at him, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. She's like, Jesus, you are awesome. And you know what? Your mom is so blessed. Like, she is so lucky to be your mom because you're, you're so cool. Your teachings are so cool. Your mom, is, she is so lucky. I wish that I could have been as lucky as your mom. I wish that God had blessed me the way that he blessed your mom. I mean, she's like, Hail Mary. Oh, she's so full of grace. She's so blessed by God. She's so blessed among all other women. Because God chose to bless her. I wish I could be blessed, but he didn't. He blessed her. Like, I wish I had a destiny like hers, but God didn't pick me. He chose her. She's the lucky one. That's what this woman is saying. And you can kind of like, some of you guys, you can relate to that. Maybe you grew up in a religious context where this is, this is how you were raised to think this way. Maybe it's not taking the religious context out of it. Maybe this is how you feel about that person in your life who you just want to hate so bad, but you can't because everything goes their way. And they're just so nice and so cool and so good looking. And you're like, I could never possibly have that life. But man, they are so blessed. But check this out. If you believe this about yourself, if you believe about yourself that there are others who are, are destined for blessings and that you aren't, or if you believe that this, this, there's this reality that there are lucky ones and unlucky ones and you might be on the wrong side of the fence, I want you to pay close attention to how Jesus replied to what this woman shouted out to him when he was teaching because it has a lot to say about this. And this is what happened. Jesus replied, blessed rather are those and so he's like, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, my mom is awesome. She's great. She's blessed by God. But I want you to know something. Even more blessed than my mom are these people. There are, there's a group of people who are more favored by God, who are more blessed, who are luckier than the luckiest, luckiest woman who probably ever lived. There are people who are more blessed than my mom. And check this out. This is what Jesus says. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So in this sentence, there's a couple things happening. But, but the first thing is this, is that Jesus refutes the idea that there is a destiny for people that are blessed and a destiny for people who are not blessed. He wipes that out completely. He knocks out the idea that there are lucky ones who have a better destiny than others who are more blessed. Because your blessings are not based on someone you are. Okay, your blessings are not based on someone you are. Rather, your blessings are based on something that you do. Your blessings are not based on where you were born, who you were born to, what country you were born in. Your blessings are based instead on something that you do. And here's, here's the thing Jesus wants you to grasp. Your destiny is not determined by what you do. I take that back. Your destiny is determined by what you do. It is. Your destiny is not determined by fate. It is not determined by a roll of the dice. It is not determined by a fickle God who likes to play favorites with some and then put some aside who he just wants to, to ignore or punish at worst. Your destiny is determined by something that you do. And you don't know take the word destiny out, swap it out. 
Your happiness is determined by something that you do. Your joy is determined by something you do. Your fulfillment in life is determined by what you do. And the converse of that as well is true. This principle that Jesus is communicating to us. The converse is that, is that your shame in life is determined by what you do. Much of your brokenness in life is determined by what you do. Your dissatisfaction in life is determined by what you do. Because Jesus is saying this, it's not about fate. It's about what you do. It's about the choices you make. And, and so that's the first like, big principle to grasp out of what Jesus is saying. And the second one is the very obvious, right in front of a step. This prescription that Jesus is giving for us to live a lucky one's life, to live blessed, in fact, more blessed that in Jesus' words than, than his own mother who was chosen by God. And Jesus says this. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. He gives us this prescription, these, a step, it's, it's a path that directly addresses the areas in our life where we don't feel blessed. This is something that we can do. And what is that thing? Engaging with God's word. Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you were, if you were raised in a Catholic church environment, the Virgin Mary is like pinnacle. She's like on a pillar. She's just, she's everything. And yet Jesus says, you know who's better off than she is? You know who's more blessed than her? People who engage with God's word. Something that we can do, something that we can, we can actually take action in. And here's the thing, engaging with God's word is one of the best ways to see blessing in every area of your life. Okay, I wanna repeat that, and I'm gonna back that up here in, in the next few uh, moments that we have this morning. But engaging with God's word is one of the best ways to see blessing in every area of your life. Okay, now let me back this up. We're gonna get into like some cool numbers and statistics because I love that stuff. So roll with me, okay? So there's an organization called the Center for Bible Engagement. And over the last 15 to 20 years, um, their mission has been to study the spiritual lives of people through surveys to kind of try and determine what are best practices or what's kind of happening in our world in the lives, in the spiritual lives of people. And so over the last 15 to 20 years, they have surveyed over 400,000 people to, to, to get information, to get a picture of what's happening in people's spiritual lives. Now, just so you know, a survey of 400,000 people, that just never happens. That is a huge scientific sample base of people. But they managed to make it happen. And there were some surprising results that they found uh, in their surveys of people and their spiritual lives. And the first thing that they kind of did is they got their results, and as they were, as they were processing them, they broke down people into groups of three. Now, specifically, these are people who engage with God's word, okay? And so people who engage with God's word, they broke down into three groups, people who never read the Bible. And then there's a second group, people who engage with God's word one to three times a week. Okay, now in that one to three times, that, that includes reading the Bible, uh, it includes listening to the Bible, if you prefer to listen to it on, on your app or in your car. Um, and it also includes uh, time when you're in church hearing 
like me talk, you know, hearing someone talk about the Bible, okay? So this counts as one engagement with God's word according to the Center for Bible Engagement. So you know what? Check that off the list, baby. You just did it. And then there was a third group, and the third group was people who engage with the Bible four or more times a week. So they, people who never, ever, ever, ever read the Bible, people who engage with the Bible one to three times a week, and people who engage with the Bible four or more times a week. And here's something interesting that they found. The first thing was this. When they looked at the outcomes in people's lives, positive outcomes and negative outcomes in people's lives, they discovered this. There was no statistical difference between people who never read the Bible and people who only engage with the Bible one to three times a week. Okay, get that. So in people's lives, negative outcomes and positive outcomes, there was no statistical difference in the lives of people who literally never opened their Bible and people who engaged with God's word one to three times a week. No difference at all in, in the statistics of their life. But what was interesting, this is what they didn't expect. When they hit this four times a week or more mark, kind of like the, the line went from here and then it hit four times a week or more and it started to just shoot upward in the results that were happening in people's lives, in the outcomes that were happening in people's lives. And so we found that, that when people engage with the Bible four or more times a week, it's almost like this magic number that if you hit this number, you will start to see results. Now, I wanna share these results with you. Now, again, I wanna make sure you are totally clear. When they look at the negative outcomes of people's lives, divorce, addiction, loneliness, depression, you know, all of the things that, that people in our world struggle with, there was no statistical difference between people who never read the Bible and the lives of people who only read the Bible one to three times a week. But four or more, Check this out. I'm going to share some of the, their actual um, legitimate findings here. And it's kind of broken down into a couple categories. The first one is this. There's a spiritual impact, right? There's a faith impact that happens in people's lives when they engage with God's word. And this is people who read it four times a week or more. And the first one is this. If you, if you engage with God's word four times or more a week, you are 60% less likely to say that you feel spiritually stagnant. If, so if you, feel, if you feel just stuck in your faith, you feel like nothing's happening, God's not moving, you can't hear his voice, engaging with God's word four times a week or more makes you 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant. Makes you 44% likely to feel like you can't please God. People who read four times or engage with God's word four times a week or more are 228% more likely to share their faith with other people. 231% more likely to disciple others on, a, on an ongoing relational basis, and 407% more likely to memorize scripture. Now, these are spiritual outcomes, right? And it's easy to look at, th at this and think about, well, okay, the Bible, this is spiritual stuff. Bible's a spiritual book. I get to understand how you know, there would be spiritual positives and how maybe like spiritual negatives would go down. I could understand where reading the Bible might make me feel like maybe I can feel God, maybe I'm a little closer to God. But remember, I said this. I said engaging with, with God's word is one of the best ways to see blessing in every area of your life. I'm talking every. Okay, so that's faith impact. Let's look at some of the emotional impacts of reading the Bible four times a week or more. If you read the Bible or you engage with scripture, four times a week or more, you are 40% less likely to feel bitter. You're 32% less likely to think destructively about yourself or other people. 
And there are those who like, they look at themselves in the mirror and they say, I'm just worthless, I feel terrible. And they want to hurt themselves or hurt others. 32% less likely to have those thoughts. They're 32% less likely to feel like they have to hide what they do or feel. 31% less likely to have difficulty forgiving other people. 31% less likely to feel discouraged just by reading and engaging with God's word four times a week or more. 30% less likely to feel lonely. 26% less likely to have difficulty forgiving yourself. 18% less likely to think unkindly about others. This is a big one. 14% less likely to experience fear or anxiety. And can I tell you, in my experience as a pastor and talking to people uh, about things that are happening in their lives, fear and anxiety are huge today in our culture and in our world. I can't tell you how many people I talk to, like, I just have anxiety. I just have a lot of anxiety right now. I can't do this. I, 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 I can't be in that room with all those people. I just have too much anxiety. I can't get involved serving. I have too much anxiety. I just have anxiety. And it's like the anxiety is just ripping people apart from the inside out. Well, do you know that like just reading and engaging with God's word four times a week makes you 14% less likely to have anxiety? That's not pills. That's not doctors. It's just engaging with God's word four times a week or more. These are real outcomes in people's lives. And it's not just spiritual outcomes or emotional outcomes, okay? Because those are feelings. Like, the, like it's not just about like, I read the Bible and it makes me feel differently. There are behavioral outcomes. There, there are habits that are changed. Our lives actually change in how we live them when we engage with God's word four times a week or more. Check this out. You are 50 or 62% less likely to drink to excess when you engage with God's word four times a week or more. Now, this number is really interesting, okay? Because these surveys, these surveys are from children all the way to adults. So they survey little kids, preteens, teenagers, adults, uh, you know, like the young adults and the, like me, the old adults. I don't know, whatever. So they, they survey all those people. The 62% less likely to drink to excess is across the spectrum, But the impact of engaging with the Bible four times a week or more on teenagers is huge. Check this out. Teenagers who engage with God's word that often every week are 80% less likely to drink to excess. 80% less likely. Parents, do you want your kids to grow up and be sheltered and protected from those things? Engaging in God's word four times a week. Students and teenagers are 82% less likely to smoke when they engage with God's word four times a week or more. Like just habits that are destructive and, and hurt us. Check, 59% of people are less likely to have sex outside of marriage. You're 45% less likely to have a gambling problem. You're 31% less likely to lash out in anger. These things that destroy our relationships. These things it's like, well, it's just me. It's just who I am. It's just how I was raised. I can't help it. No, that's not true. You're 31% less likely to live that out when you engage with God's word. 28% less likely to gossip. 28% less likely to be a liar. 26% less likely to neglect your family. 20% less likely to to overeat or mishandle food. And 20% less likely to mishandle your money. These are behavioral habits. These are things that we do, not just things we feel, but these are things that we are living out that are destroying our lives. They're destroying our relationships. They're destroying our marriages. They're destroying our families. And just engaging with God's word four times a week or more radically reduces the impact of these things in our lives. What's kind of cool is that 
you know, there's, there's all of these different kind of things. And what, what this organization did is they kind of did a, a, a compilation and they averaged everything out to kind of get it to one number. And they determined this, that when you engage with God's word four times a week or more, that general negative outcomes in your life, maybe there's a habit or something that isn't on this list that you didn't see, but in general, the negative outcomes in your life drop 57% just by engaging with God's word that often a week. I mean, this, what is the thing that you're carrying? What is the thing, the habit that you can't beat? What is the emotion that is crushing you every single day and you can't get out from under it? What is that thing? Well, I'll tell you this, it doesn't necessarily even matter what that thing is. I can tell you this statistically, you're 57% less likely to struggle with it when you engage God's word four or more times a week blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And this, I mean, honestly, like for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I'm gonna tell you right now, you might be here, you might not be a church person, you might, might not be a Bible person, and I'm, that's totally okay. Because you know what? I'm not talking about like, these are outcomes only for people who are like, Bible-thumping, you know, Christ-professing Christians. I'm talking about these are just outcomes for people who live in the world who engage with the Bible. So are you not a Christian, you're not a Bible person, you don't believe in Jesus? That's okay. These statistics still work. But I can tell you this, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, all of this stuff should really come as no surprise. It should come as no surprise that engaging with God's word can transform our lives. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says to, to Timothy, his young protege, he says, You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So stop right there. He said this, Timothy, I want you to understand this. You as a follower of Jesus, you know what gave you the capacity, what gave you the ability, what gave you the wisdom to actually make the decision to say yes to Jesus when the Holy Spirit came knocking at your your door, it was the fact that since you were a child, your parents exposed you to God's word. Parents, do you want kids who are going to grow up following Jesus, living, living out this life that God has for them and avoiding some of the habits and the, the issues that are here that we're seeing over and over again? Start teaching them God's word now because it equips them to say yes to Jesus then. But then he continues, he says, here's why. He says, all scripture is inspired by God, all of it. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. And this is the best part. God uses it. God uses his word every day to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, to live every good life, to live every best life, to build every thriving and loving family, to build every powerful and, and strong and unbreakable marriage. God uses his word to prepare and equip you for the purpose that he created you, for the task, for the work, the spiritual, timeless, eternal work that he specifically created you and designed you to accomplish. God uses his word to build us up, to guide us, to lead us, and to protect us. 
It's a prescription that he wrote so that we can live a blessed life. And can I tell you something? I, like, I, I'm a I'm kind of a person with a lot of pet peeves, like if you don't know that about me. Like when Terry and I first got married, it was so dumb. We had so many that she started to get a notebook out and just write one down every time I'd say one because there was just so many just dumb ones. Um, but there's, this drives me crazy. It drives me crazy when, when something's wrong with someone physically or they're sick and then they, they take the time and the money to go to the doctor and the doctor gives them a prescription or gives them some direction on things they need to change in their lives. It drives me crazy when they don't follow those things, when they don't take their prescriptions. Like, you know, did you take your pill? You know what? I just don't, I hate pills. Oh, I'm so tired of taking pills. I didn't take my pills today. Are you kidding me? Like, the doctor says, take this pill to be well. Uh, That, oh gosh, that drives me crazy. And can I tell you, God has given us a prescription and I'm just begging with you and I'm pleading with you. Don't be a person who is not following the prescription that God has given you to transform and change the outcomes of your life. Don't be a person who's willing to accept the status quo of your life because you just don't like taking pills or because you just don't have the time to sit down and read God's word because you just, I don't know, it's just, I don't really understand it or it's just not fun or it's just, I don't really like to read. Don't be a person who accepts your brokenness, who accepts your sickness, when there's a cure right there that God is just begging with you and pleading you to take. Don't be a person who's willing to live a life where you're separated from God's blessings when there's something that you could just do to welcome them and invite them into your life and it's right there. It's right there because blessed rather are those who hear God's word and obey it. Not blessed are the lucky ones. Not blessed are the good looking ones who everything goes their way, who win every drawing, you know, win every sport. Not them. Blessed instead of them are those who hear God's word and engage with it and apply it and, and, and let it sink into their lives. And it's as simple as four times a week or more. And guys, I already said it like, You got one in the can already because you just listened to me talk at you for a while. You got one down. And the timing of this couldn't be better because we're starting 21 days of prayer next week. And we're going to give you guys a devotional guide online that you can just every single day begin the process of engaging with God's word with everyone else who's part of our church. And I just dare you. I dare you to do this. I dare you to like write down that thing in your life. What is that thing, that that negative thing that that you want to see changed in your life? What is that regret that you want to see resolved? What is that habit? What is that feeling that you can't shake or can't get out from under? I dare you to write it down right now and see what God does 21 days from next Sunday or let's just say 28 days from today if you started today. Let's see what God does if you engage with his word four times a week or more you can be one of these positive statistics and God can change and transform your life. Not just your spiritual life, but every area of your life. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it is powerful and that it is alive and that it is active, God, and that it is, that it is it's not just a book, that it's not just this document that we can read and, and you know, learn some neat little truths, but God, that it is 
powerful and that it is living and that we, when we engage with it, the life that is in your word becomes the life that is inside of us. And I thank you, God, that it changes us, that it transforms us, and that it frees us. I thank you that you've given us this prescription to live a blessed life. And God, I pray that you would pour out those blessings on every single person in this room. And I pray, Father, that you would that you would cause us to dispense and get rid of the excuse that we are just destined to not live a blessed life. That God, that excuse that there are those who are blessed and that maybe there's those of us who just aren't, God, that you would just demolish that in our minds right now and that you would help us to take responsibility for the blessing that you have ready for us. And that it comes when we just take a step, realizing it's something that we can actually do that we can take part in, God. And I pray, Lord, that as we engage with your word, God, even starting today and tomorrow and every day this week, that you would start the work of bringing healing and transformation and hope and happiness and destiny, Lord, even now and even today. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom that comes from it. And I pray that that freedom would be, Lord, a hallmark of the life of every single person in this room. I pray in your name. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.